Hey, this is Higher Peaks. This podcast is supported by our listeners on Patreon. There you can become a patron with options of bonus content, including behind-the-scenes posts, messages, pics, shorts, raw unedited content, and even full episodes. You can influence future shows, have voting power, get exclusive rewards, and have patron-only giveaways. See full details on our page at patreon.com slash organrooted. Enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the Dirt Show. I'm Higher Peaks. Man, we are heading for spring right now. Outdoor growers, shout out to you guys. You know, you better be, you know, get your game on. Uh, for the indoor growers, I know you've been crushing it, but it's time, baby. So, and we got some good stuff. This episode, we got second gen genetics, uh, JD Short, the son of DJ Short, the man, the myth, the legend. And JD is carrying on that legend with his work. He's killing it. And I, we got a great episode like this. This is going to be good, guys. Just want to let everybody know that we did have a contest um, concerning, you know, seeds for for questions asked on the episode. And we got three winners, three winners, which is cool because JD Short is cool as hell. Uh, we got they call me the wizard on Instagram, just like it sounds. We got Pippin Jr. John, P I P P I N J R J O H N, and love.light.air.water. Y'all three won. You guys crushed it with the questions. We got them answered. So JD is going to be sending you out some, uh, some good stuff. And uh, I just want to let everybody know we got some good stuff going on in the future. We got curious about cannabis coming out again. We talk about some crazy stuff. We got local smoke radio with Pinnacle Analytics, which is a great interview that's coming out. And I, I got a special one for all you guys that, uh, you know, I, sometimes I vary from the from the cannabis and I talk about life. And so I sat down with eat underscore life's underscore lemons IG. And we talk about some crazy stuff. This guy's incredible. So uh, we're rocking. Sorry, but it's been... Um, it's been a long time since we've released some episodes, so please enjoy. And uh, like I said, it's springtime, and you know we're, we're gonna rock this year with the genetics. And out, all you outdoor growers, we support you. Same with the indoor growers too, of course. But uh, anyway, so check out the episode. Me and JD, we talk about a lot of things. I mean, we talk about. What's crazy is we talk about uh, all kinds of psychoactives. We talk about sugar, caffeine, gluten, cannabis, exercise, nicotine. Then we also go into some, you know, breeder uh, questions, you know, because everybody, you know, wants to know about, you know, how to breed right and how to do it right. So we talk about hermaphrodites. We talk about crossing. We talk about the ethics of growing and crossing. We talk about light stress. We talk about all kinds of things that, in fact, actually JD will give you a couple of good insights, a couple of good, uh, you know, tricks of the trade that, that DJ shared with him. So I just want everybody to know we love you out there. Thanks for being supportive. And, you know, thanks for thanks for our listeners. And remember that, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we talk good stuff. So take care out there and uh, be prepared for a good month. All right. We love you. Oregon Rooted.
Welcome to Oregon Rooted. I'm Higher Peaks. And this is Lady Sativa. You're listening to The Dirt Show. Where we bring you Oregon's cannabis culture. So, so you, you're still smoking. You're just, uh, you're not. No, no, I'm, I'm not actually. I tried to smoke on. Um, let's see what's today. Monday. I tried to smoke on uh, Saturday and Friday, and it, it worked. I liked it. I just, I, you know, I'm. I figured I'll stick this out for a while, see what happens. But yeah, I, I know that feeling of being all over the place. I'm, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm just starting to come down from the, the bad part in the last couple of days. So this works. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, man. It's it's nice to have you back. I always have such good conversations with the with you, and and <laughs> always, you know, all all kinds of good stuff comes out. Um, but I did want to catch up with you, and we, you know, we've been talking on and off the last two or three weeks, and like you just said, you've been kind of taking a hiatus from, uh, from you know, all kinds of things, pretty much everything, right? Is that Everything, yeah, I'm doing some weird Buddhist detox thing. I don't even know. I'm just I'm swinging at the, the fences here. What I mean, like, yeah, no cannabis, no sugar, no gluten. Um, I'm trying to cut back on the the red meat, especially the meats, primarily. See what happens with that as well. I mean, so you've you've gone full blown vegetarian, or are you? Mm, no, um, I mean the eggs are aren't vegetarian i don't think i mean eggs i mean eat meat i just i'm leery about you know the quality of the meat and the consequences it's having on my body just to cut right to the chase to be honest with you what i'm interested in is the uh, impact that the meat especially red meat because i've done some research that uh, i guess red meat can uh, cause congestion i'm just trying to focus in on those types of things yeah well i mean it seems like a lot of different types of foods can cause a lot of different types of things uh, i mean like dairy has issues i guess and and like you said gluten yeah, um, yeah dairy i've well um I've, I've dabbled with cheese a little bit in the last week but same thing i i don't necessarily notice exactly you know a, a drastic impact but i i feel like i notice a, a little bit of enough to say no you know i'm, I'm still gonna give that a break for a little bit it, so uh yeah no dairy has any one thing made a big impact, like like sugar, maybe? Absolutely. So the biggest impact you hit on the head was sugar. Um, and I'll tell you what, like I have experienced my fair share of withdrawals in my life. I was not prepared for this. I had no fucking idea that what sugar was doing to me. Um, it's a serious addiction. Um, and uh, the uh, the scale I was using with my friends, people would ask me you know, how is how I was doing with it. And like I said, I've been through my fair share of withdrawals and on a scale of one to 10, I would give sugar a solid seven. <laughs> um, it was, it was three to four days of fucking hell, man. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and I think I've said this before, even to you, I think we talked about it, but at, at one point I had done the same thing you're doing where I, you know, yeah. I was going to quit cannabis. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to quit cannabis, I'm just going to, you know, why not try everything for a while and, you know, see what that's yeah. like. <laughs> Good yep. idea. And, uh, yeah, man, I'll tell you out of between, honestly, I mean, and a lot of people might not believe this, but between like long-term alcohol use, uh, cannabis use out, al- uh, caffeine, stuff like that. Honestly, sugar gave me the worst time. <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah. You know, I think that's, I, I think that's an important thing to, to discuss if people are listening and they're willing to listen to let them know, you know, the impact that sugar can have on their lives, one. And then two, that when, you know, people are ready to conquer that battle to, to prepare them that like you're going to be in for a fight for a good solid week, it's, it's actual withdrawal. Yes. Yes. It's so actually, it's, yeah. For me, for me, the number one symptom that I was dealing with in my withdrawal was anxiety. And I, I had no idea that it was sugar. You know, I had no idea what the withdrawals that was creating that. I'm sure there were other things involved, but you know, when I finally Google, I just Googled, I was like, sugar withdrawals and anxiety, just boom, the light bulb went off and I started reading all this shit and I was like, holy shit. Okay. All right. Interesting. So anybody who's willing to give that a shot, just be prepared. You know, it's, it's a crutch and you're, you know, if you eat a lot of sugar, you're leaning on it and pull that crutch out. You're going to feel the weight of gravity. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot, it surprises a lot of people because, you know, it's so when you, when you quit sugar, as you know, man, every, everything, every box you look at, every, everything you take a peek at has some damn sugar in it. You're like, everything. It's, it's very, very hard to get away from unless you just go, you know, strict whole foods. And, and even then, you know, you're still going to run into yep. fructose and stuff or, like that. For the gluten, you know, I was already on the gluten. I was already doing gluten free. And then when I cut out the sugar, it, it, it just was this extra battle because all the gluten stuff, all everything is just extra loaded with sugar to make up for, you know, the lack of enriched white flour and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, have you noticed the difference in the gluten part? Cause I do know that people seem to have a pretty positive reaction I- sometimes. I think so. Yeah. Um, the gluten was just kind of, it was like a minor sugar withdrawal. Um, and I think the, the main impact I would say that I noticed from cutting out the gluten, um, and as well sugar, the sugar was just more pronounced, um, was less, what I would assume was inflammation in my body, just a lot, you know, the stiffness was gone. I, my back has not been bugging me for, you know, it's sore, but I just stretch it out and, you know, move a little bit. It feels better, but my back doesn't hurt. Uh, stomach cramps are gone. So, and, and, you know, that just provides though, this whole extra element of relief in life when you're less inflamed and less swelling. Sure. sure. Well, and as you know, growing older, man, like the older I get, the more like inflammation is the problem. Yep. You know, I mean, with arthritis or joint problems or broken bones from the past or whatever, man, it's just all that stuff just seems like it's all centered around inflammation. Um, it, it is. Does yeah, and it just all kind of topples out of control from there. So getting you know a handle on that is definitely get, you know give me what I feel like is a, a new lease on life. I've got a, a new direction here. I will tell you that at least for me, I've I'm trying to tackle one thing at a time here, and uh, you know sugar is my first one. I know that's kind of my worst habit. I think at this point, you know, alcohol is not an issue. You know, I don't smoke cigarettes. Uh, so, you know, sugar's like on the top of my list and I'll tell you 
when I don't consume any sugar, I do have less pain throughout the day. You know, I really do. So yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It, it's something that it's I've tried and it seems to work for me. So I'm, I'm hoping that continues to, to keep going. You know, I, do you take anything like supplements? Do you believe in that stuff or it's just all natural? Yeah. So that was another thing that I've, you know, adjusted and, and, ch- and you're trying a new thing. I, I haven't really taken supplements throughout my life. I've just tried to eat healthy. I, I don't like taking concentrated vitamins. I, it just doesn't seem to pass all through my body, but I have started uh, vitamin D, C, zinc, probiotic, and the other one, B12. I'm on this regiment of those. And, and that combined with the cutting out the gluten and the sugar, I think is what's really given me the one up that I've, I've rebounded from in the last couple of weeks. Now, like I said, we had been talking and, and when I'd kind of first gotten back in contact with you after a couple months there, it, it sounds like you were kind of, it was what at the worst or one of the worst, I don't know how to explain it. Why don't you explain it? But you were health wise, were feeling pretty bad at the time. I was definitely down in the dumps. Um, and I'm still, I still don't know exactly what was going on. I've got, you know, the appointments lined up to go get it checked out. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's been a fucking crazy year, you know, I <sighs> mean, Horrible. Been, I've, I've been so so isolated. I think it's the main thing. It's cabin fever. I think you know just has really given me this opportunity to come full force into my body and my mind and just really feel what I'm feeling. And, and it's been stressful. So yeah, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I just kind of reached the the point where I was like, all right, you know, I got to do something. I got to try something different. And that's when I just started messing around with a diet. And at first was the gluten. I had been suspecting gluten for quite a while, actually. But, you know, it's hard. So, But I, you reach that point where, like, all right, this, this day was horrible. I'm going to try this tomorrow. And I think, you know, it was within three or – well, actually, I would say it was within 24 hours, I think, I started feeling a relief from the gluten. But it was mostly, I think, placebic combined with a small digestive thing. Um, and then within, I'd say, 72 hours, I was noticing what I considered to be a, a definite positive um, impact from the cutting out the gluten. So that's when it just things started to click and I was like, all right, I'll try the next what's next. And it, it seems like cannabis is almost just in the shadows. I mean, it sounds like even for you, like that's kind of just one of those things. It's like, yeah, I quit, but it's not really giving me the troubles that some other things are. No, it's not. Um, the cannabis, well, I, I went through the withdrawals from the cannabis at the same time as the sugar. So it's hard <laughs> for me to parse. So it's hard for me to parse out, which was which I, I, I don't sure. know, but, that week sucked. Right, um, right, right. But but one of the things that I am considering with cannabis is that um, is that I know that it can influence your blood sugar level. So it's down there low on the list as far as concerns of a substance that, that, you know, I could be struggling with. But it's still something to consider that, you know, until I take further measures to investigate what's going on, I think it's just kind of safe if I can, you know, to put it on the back burner for now. And it's not killing me to have it there. So, right. Um, Right. Yeah. The, the cannabis, as far as the substance, you know, that was contributing to my difficulties is really low down there. But, but again, you know, there are things that I, like I said, like the blood sugar, that, that that's definitely something to consider, especially after living a whole year of, you know, <laughs> sitting on the couch. <laughs> yeah. And, smoking weed, you know, I mean, it's all I've been doing all year. So. Well, and I mean, if you think about it, man, like, I would, I would imagine it's damn near close to a hundred percent of the people out there have literally abandoned any kind of, you know, regular routine as far as exercise, even, I mean, you see weightlifters out there trying to get, you know, uh, we call it imaginative with things, but 
I mean, just a lot of people have not been getting exercise and been sitting around. And yeah. we were already in bad shape to begin with, right? So <laughs> yeah, it's like, Jesus. I mean, I, I want to see what the, the uh, you know, the heart attacks and the heart diseases and diabetes that comes out in the next five years, man. It's Yeah, yeah. So that's something I think that from this pandemic, as well as the, the virus and the disease itself, there's going to be this fallout over the next decade that's going to be fucking brutal so we got some some work cut out for ourselves as far as the country goes um well and if we're going to turn into a bunch of indoor people you know long term or at least on average then it seems like we're going to have to figure out a lot of more creative ways to be able to and you know uh what do you call it motivate people to get exercise and shit like that because i mean yeah i'm trying to do a, a minimum of 20 minutes of physical activity a day a minimum and that's aside from whatever work that you would normally do or right or shower whatever like don't count your showers <laughs> <laughs> you know? like, you're like a walk print. down to the market <laughs> <laughs> i got the fucking mail come on like, okay. no, no, no. like you know t- set aside 20 minutes at minimum of each day to get your heart rate up to 100 110 beats 115 beats per minute and there you go breathe that shit out yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, just getting your lungs clean, man. Like I noticed that just even from smoking weed, if you don't get out and walk briskly or do a little bit of a run or something just to get those lungs working, man, they can get choked up. So, Yeah. And and there's another element to that that's been concerning. I was just reading the news, too. It's been on my mind heavily lately, though, is these damn fires. Um, so it's, it's shaping up that it's looking like next year, this fire season is going to be, again, brutal, possibly worse than next year Mm -hmm. um and i advise anybody that's listening to prepare start preparing themselves for that now um whether you have you know a compromised immune system or issues with your lungs or not like the body's not it's not designed to to do that especially when you're not active you're not exercising you're eating for shit and so i i hope people are are gonna you know understanding that this next year probably the next couple years We'll just start with this year. It looks like this is going to be another bad year for fire seasons. It it sure right. does. And, you know, following up from last year and the tragedies last year, man, it's just, it is a brutal area right now, especially for housing. And uh, yeah. as you know, we're, we're in similar situations with that. I mean, housing is a bitch. It's getting expensive. Uh, it's definitely not the renters or buyers market right now. I mean, except for it's being forced onto the buyers like you have to like people are trying to find places to live uh not affordably but um and so having another year of fires could be brutal i know this locally i don't know if you've seen this up in eugene that area but in southern oregon here we're having a lot of problems with aluminum in our water now oh jesus because and, and i i kind of saw it coming because when we had the fires right after the fires had kind of calmed down to where you could get back into the cities uh we saw all this melted like from all the car right. bodies and the right. all the metal in the buildings all this shit had melted and it looked like a, a scene out of terminator man where it was just this liquid metal shit everywhere uh, and now that the rains come and it's all this stuff, it's just eroding right into the water, you know, the watersheds, no, I, and the I rivers. I didn't even think of that. I didn't even consider that one. That's too bad. It's terrible. I mean, Bear Creek is shot right now, which is, it. it's not a clean river or a creek to begin with, but I mean, it's shot now. Like there's nothing that's not going to be tainted now. And then, you know, that, that creek just runs into the Rogue, which is a major, major outlet to the ocean. 
So, right. Yeah. It's just crazy. But having another year of that, I just, I see it being devastating, you know? Yeah. And especially if people aren't expecting it, you know, and, and we're, and we're already dealing with, you know, a, a large portion of the population that's, yeah. Um, so it's just it's something to consider. It really is. Um, now, did you guys have problems with fire? You guys did have problems. We had problems all the way up by five, didn't we? Yeah. So this was last year was the worst fire season I've probably seen in my life since I've lived in Oregon, which is my whole life. You know, right. It was 40 years. Um, Springfield almost burned down last year. They had a large portion of the eastern section of Springfield on standby to evacuate. Um, and that, wow. you know, it, it, it would, there was no warnings for us here in Eugene, but, you know, when the east side of Springfield is, you know, we were all under threat and it was smoky here. I mean, for a solid three weeks, I mean, unbearable, like hard to breathe fucking smoky. So all this shit goes into your body. Oh yeah. So, and it, it's just horrible for you. Yep. What's, what's really bad is man. And it's good. It just, it's crazy to me is to see these people that go outside and they'll smoke a pack of cigarettes out in the <laughs> smoke, man. <laughs> A, yeah, I mean, that's why I quit, you know, it's just it's kind of as they're taking you know, hits off the oxygen tank. It's like, oh, my God, man, like yeah, there's no help. I had a girlfriend whose grandmother did that. She died of lung cancer with the oxygen tubes and she smoked all the way to the end. Well, it's just you can't. There's no help for that. There's just all you got to do is just maybe get him another pack of cigarettes because it's not going to stop. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's what it got. That's what it came down to. Yeah. And to each is their own, you know, I mean, oh, I yeah. I'm fortunate I was able to pull out of that spiral when I did. Right. You had mentioned that you, I, I didn't even realize that you had smoked cigarettes for, for a while, right? For 26 years, I Holy. smoked every day. Same thing with cannabis too. So, and that's, I think part of my situation that might be a little bit different than other people's is that um, I smoked both cigarettes and cannabis to a, a level of excess that was kind of above and beyond. Um, and I don't, I know a lot of other people do that, but I think most people, you know, take breaks every now and then, maybe once or twice a month. You know, they run out of pot. Like I, <laughs> I didn't for almost three decades. So. <laughs> right, right, right. I hate to laugh at that, but it's true, man. You just didn't have to run out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we did like shit. We were scrambling for weed every few days. So, um, that's interesting. Now, one thing I wonder about, and you can give me some feedback here. I don't know if you ever smoked blunts, but I, I've spent a lot of time smoking, you know, uh, cigar rolled joints, if you will, blunts. And I've wondered how much damage that's done. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think that it just depends on your level of excess. You know, I think that the golden rule kind of stands in that regard, where it's everything in moderation, including moderation. Mm -hmm. Um but I will say that, like, if if you're smoking, you know, every day, uh, multiple times a day, that it, I'm assuming that, you know, that's going to have the same impact as smoking actual nicotine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think it I, I think like my assumption would be that there's just a certain level that once you hit that level of saturation, it doesn't matter how much more or less that you smoke while while you're over that amount. Sure. Because Basically, what it comes down to is your body can only process so many, so much toxins in a day. Right. Um, so no. once you're across that, that threshold, you, you're doing damage to your body. 
Sure. And and that does make sense. I do know that after about three blunts in one day, I start to get sick. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure. sure that's my body telling me they're done with the nicotine for the day. <laughs> and I think that it's important to also mention that, you know, you can have you can reach that same level of toxicity saturation with just cannabis as well. Uh, sure. the, the body isn't really designed to inhale smoke. It's, it's you know, it kind of goes against what the body is, is trying to do. Um, Right. And I think a lot of times, like you said, well, like is the cliche, you know, you everything in moderation. Well, you know, I think that's your body in and of itself. Its whole design is kind of to stay in the middle, you know, just be, you know, trying to homeostasis. Right. If you will. And uh, so, yeah, if if you're extreme on any end of it, it's going to continue to try to get back to the middle. Um, yeah. which, you know, how this relates to actually a cannabis podcast. I mean, you know, here it is, it's all psychoactive substances. You know, these yeah. are all psychoactives, caffeine, uh, you know, cannabis, the sugar. THC, sugar, the, yeah. uh, sugar, um, these all affect us in, in crazy ways. Uh, although we, you know, consume a lot of these things a lot more than we think really. I mean, even the people that have issues with certain psychoactives they they consume a whole other plethora of the the spectrum you know right so crazy times but uh you know we, we're done we're done with 2020 it sounds like you're making some health changes and it sounds like the country's made some some other some changes for themselves are you glad we're done with it with 2020 yeah <laughs> um it's hard for me to look at it that way it's the it's, it's, that the struggle goes on, uh, you know, it goes on, but in being in sound mind, it's, uh, it, it will re- always require a certain level of vigilance. Um, and especially like, you know, since things like Trump and, you know, dancing with fascism, it's like, once you, once you make friends with the devil, like <laughs> you just, you got to define that relationship clearly and keep those boundaries where they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but am I glad it's over? Yeah, um, it definitely relieved that, you know, that, you know, there's potential end in sight to the pandemic that, you know, that uh, an authoritarian dictator didn't take over the government. I'm definitely relieved in all of that shit. Um, we'll see where it goes from here. I, I have, I will say that I have more hope for the future right now and in this week than I have in weeks, maybe months. So... Yes. And, you know, I don't think when I say, you know, 2020 is over, I mean, like in, in like you, you know, counteract is it's we're still struggling. We have to still struggle is, is that I think a lot of people just are glad for the change. You know, we're finally, we're finally yeah. starting some form of change. Yeah. And the, the, the telltale giveaway sign of that was the voter turnout and how many people I won't say voted for Biden, but voted against Trump. Like that for me is is a clear indicator that the majority of this country is not only ready and willing for change, but we're desperate for it. You know, we're we're, we're ready. We'll see what what we do in, in that regard if we're ready to actually go through the motions of making some changes. Right. I, I felt like for four years though we were just kind of just rutting it. Like it just seemed like the same shit day in and day out. Just kind of brutal. getting deeper ruts. Brutal. I was really concerned there. You know, I was really concerned what could happen if Trump got reelected. Um. Yeah. So and, and, glad that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's good for our health too, I think. <laughs> yeah. You know, getting rid of that part of the the consumption as well. Um <laughs> I've noticed that you've kind of you've calmed down a little bit. You you've thrown a few things out there on second gen, like <laughs> in terms of cannabis. That's good. <laughs> oh, you mean like on the just Hosting in general, or on yeah, the- yeah, I've noticed that you've actually. I think you've actually shown a couple of projects you've got going on, and you actually, you know. So I I see that that uh, that things are calming down on that end too as well. Yeah, slowing down a little bit in in all of in all the regards. Um, I'm currently I'm looking for a, to to buy a place, so I'm I'm kind of taking my time with that. You know, I've never made a purchase like that, so. It's, it's going to be slow going. So my, my energy is definitely focused in, in, in that. Um, the growth space that I was using isn't as secure as it was. So I've had to dole out my testing to people who are willing to do it for me. Um, so, you know, I don't have as much to take pictures of and post of. So. No, but bumbleweeds, bum, bumblebeeweed, I always lose the B on there, bumblebeeweed. <laughs> Um, seems to be doing well though. Um, and I've seen a lot of, you've got some stuff in the works. I see you doing some work stuff. Um, sure. no, how- I, Craig, Craig, I have, I have, um, shit, man. I have thousands of crosses that, you know, like it just, it's a matter of the time to get to them. I, I don't have, I'd say off, offhand, I've probably got shit, a solid 10 to 15 things where I have enough seed production where I could release packs. Um, it's just, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to anyway. Yeah. I've got, I've got (laughs) stuff to release. I need the space to kind of get to it, you know? Oh no, I get it. That I'm, I'm amazed that you can do it as, as you have been. Um, you know, like I said, we we're in similar situations, so we're looking at possibly, you know, having to move and buy a place too. not a good time to really be doing it. I don't think. Um, but such it is. Could, Could be, be worse. worse. I mean, yeah. Problem is, is down here, there's just not a lot of places to buy. I mean, they're just, and they're expensive. So um, it looks like, though, like I'm looking back on some uh, some posts you've had. Uh, so now even without, you know, with the room problems and stuff like that, you've still been doing work. You, recently, you'd had a restock of the shortbread, the farmer's fire, the plumberry kush. Oregon Cutthroat, which is one of my favorites to play with. Um, those that's been out for two, three years, and and I'm glad to see those back out. Um, yeah, those have, like I was saying, those have, you know, those never got discontinued off the menu. I just ran out of stock of those, and I was, I was able to pull off a restock of those despite my, my growing woes. Right, that's awesome. That's awesome. And so, those are going to be out for, I mean, at least for now, right? Are you going to plan on keeping any of those long term? Yeah, so I I do have all of the mothers for those still alive, um, you know, and and keeping the moms alive at this point is just this it's this passion and this hobby. I don't I don't need to. Um, I just I like the plant. So as long as I can keep those alive and I've got the male to pair them with, I can you know I can re re keep those those crosses stocked on the menu. I will say though that uh, see the farmer's fire is really low uh, in inventory, and so is the stretch. Like I've only got you know, less than a hundred packs of each of those left. And they'll, you know, those will be at once. And same thing with everything else that we stock too. Once those are 
once the inventory of those run out, it's just that whenever I get a chance to make more of them, which I don't know when that's going to be, I'm not going to push anything here until I resettle into another place. It's just, it's just not worth it to deal with. So, what, Is there anything current right now that you're not telling anybody? Huh? Is there anything going on that you're... <laughs> Um, so I'm working these blue heaven crosses. I've got a couple of those. I got a couple more in the bank that I haven't actually told anybody about. Um, man, those look fire too. Oh my yeah. gosh. From what you've shown, yeah, at so least the one picture. Oh my Lord. The one, I think that was the blue starfish. That was the, I think gorilla glue with the blue heaven. That one turned out phenomenal. I um, bet. You know, and one then of the other one, and Go then ahead. the other one was, uh, King B, those two, and then the Midnight Fox. All three of them were great, but the, um, I think it was the Blue Starfish. I'm pretty sure that was the name. It's hard for me when I don't do the testing myself. Uh, but I think it was Blue Starfish was the Gorilla Glue times Blue Heaven, and that one is that's going to be knocked out of the park. Well, and one of my favorites is the Gorilla Glue. Like that's one of my all time favorites. So any kind of cross on that, I'm always you know always up for. So that sounds. And those really are going to be all of these Blue Heaven uh, crosses are going to be super limited. I was only able to do the one pollination before I, I lost the uh, mother. So all of the stock on hand is limited to, you know, whatever came out of that one pollination. Like the um, Midnight Frost, I want to say, was like 120 packs. And the Blue Star, same thing. They're all around 100 to 125 packs. It's whatever I could get off of the one plant. So, which that just gave away you know, a secret that will be for your viewers. Because I don't usually tell people what I get off of one plant. But there you go. <laughs> i appreciate that man you know what it's they'll have to listen to the episode too i always always bury the good stuff in the middle <laughs> no um so i what amazes me is that like it's kind of hard to keep mothers isn't it like it's room and it's it's like so, yeah this is what i have found and what i've really come to to notice in the last year that I think is setting myself and a couple other breeders really aside from the rest of the pack is our ability to keep mothers alive and to, to, to just be bold and, and, and blatant about it. it just it, it comes down to a matter of attention to detail, which takes this certain type of discipline that I think a lot of other people who grow weed just to be again, be blatant about it. They lack um, it's, it's, know to, to let your listeners know what they would be in for if they're interested in doing something like this it's every day those plants require you know energy every day and you might have them in big enough pots so you don't have to go look at them every day but i guarantee you if you're not thinking about them every day you're going to run into the complications right right and that could be long term like i i, I don't know the length of time but uh it, didn't like didn't your father even didn't he have a mo I mean what's the oldest mother you guys have had it's isn't it a so the, three four decades oldest, yeah so the oldest mother that he has is shit it is it's 28 years I think it's 29 years this year the flow which should be 1992 and I will also say because you you asked pointedly and I I'm not actually tooting my own horn by saying this so thank you for asking but um I have personally kept the flow plant alive for over half of its life um, so I've been responsible for keeping the flow and the blueberry and the blueberry father alive for since like 2006, I believe. Oh so God. the reason that people have access to those seeds is, is in part because of my contribution to keeping those plants alive. And the, I'm very proud of that. 
fact. So thanks for asking and allowing me the opportunity to say. No, I think that's I, great. I, it's it's something when I, I saw you mention it somewhere and I was really like, wow, blown away. I think uh, keeping the flow plant alive is, as far as accomplishments go, um, it might be one of my more my most proud accomplishments in this whole thing. Um, and that is because there's actually a certain level of challenge to that plant that I really appreciate it. She's picky. Um, but I, we worked it out. We've got a, a good rapport, so I, <laughs> you I'm have a good understanding. <laughs> yeah, the DJ gave me some great pointers. You know, um, it took 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 me a long time to, to listen to a couple of them. Like one of them, he kept for years. He kept saying, "Give her her own light, dude." <laughs> her, her own like 400 watt light, and I was always like, like "No, what? I can't do that." Like, <laughs> then it just you know when I finally gave her that space, that's when she really just blossomed into being an ease to care for. So, well, so he's been instrumental in and giving me directive on how to do that for sure. That is awesome. And you know, I think, I think that's a lot of things that are lacking today is, is one of them is that you don't have like, everything is so much online and, uh, you know, uh, studying words and books and stuff that, you know, passing on a skill by working with someone is kind of dying off a little bit. And True. to have that information kind of passed on to you that way is awesome because, I mean, that's really where you get the the relationship part. Like, if you have a freaking mother plant in, in your possession or at least even half the time for 28 years, 30 years, that is a full-blown, you might as well be married, man. That is a, you know yeah. that thing inside and out. You know if it needs its okay. own light. That, that you can look at it and talk without talking, right? Yeah, hopefully I've sacrificed, I've sacrificed quite a bit to keep that plant alive actually and more than i needed to but again i think it was you know i think i needed to sacrifice some of those things but no yeah it's it's a it's a passion for sure and you know i mean at what point do you let that go do you let it go do you do you clone it and move yeah. on what do you do next um, well, you know, I'll clone it for as long as I can. Um, I really would like to use some different males on her. Um, I've used several. It just I've never done a, a you know, production run of, of different males on her just because it, you know, to kind of give DJ his space, it's his baby. Um, mm-hmm. But so you, you let the, the plant will tell me when it's time to let go. Um, and from there, it's just, I'll, I'll follow her lead, you know, she'll let me know when she's ready to go and I'll say my farewells and, and give her my thanks and go from there. Dang. What's, but what? she's still, she's still kicking, you know, so yeah. and she's doing fine. Um, she, she gets a little bit weak in the roots, but who can blame her after three decades? Well, I mean, that's a thing. Like, I don't know what is the lifetime. What can you get out of a cannabis plant? I don't know. What, do you have any quite idea? A bit. Yeah, quite a bit. Um, in, in terms of, I mean, she could live indefinitely. There's another trick that DJ taught me and it's, I, you know, um, I've heard other people talking about it, but, um, so one of the things that you can do with the plane is you can give it a, a, a reset its hormones once a year by placing it outside and allowing it to do a full veg outside. So you'd put it outside when you would normally put your plant size, size of veg for outdoor. And then you take your cuts off of her, you know, towards the end of July or whatever, towards the peak of that veg season. And that, you know, having her in soil, in the ground will allow her a chance to, to reset her hormones. And that just kind of gives her a, it's just like a boost each year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, she, 
but you can get a lot out of cannabis plants. I always like to say, and you know, this is my wishy-washy romantic part of me, um, and because you know, nobody, it's one of those things nobody could ever prove or not. But it's like I always like to believe that you can anything that existed in the past can be recreated from one single seed. The, the, the information of the entire universe is in there. So what can you get from a, a plant or a seed? You get anything you want, literally right. anything you fucking want. You want to you want to grow blue leather you can breed a, a plant that will do that right almost almost like a, a wolf like a dog you know like you can take a wolf and you can make a damn chihuahua like wow sure yeah. you know <laughs> maybe yeah. that's a bad analogy but <laughs> the thing with the seeds is that there's just there's i don't know i think there's in the plants there's i want to say there's a different type of dna um, sure i have no idea <laughs> now you're gonna try and make me disprove it um, i don't know um, they're, they're just amazing and you can get kind of anything you want from the plants i think well you've mentioned in the past and and it's something i'd actually like to briefly talk about and that is the ethics around you know or i don't know if that's the right word but the you've made this a point that you can m make your own cross in terms of if you want a gmo or if you want to you know tropicana i mean you can go out there you can find good genetics and then make those crosses do this hunt and, and make your own version. Right. I mean, sure. And, and is that, is that ethical or is that the right thing to do? Or is that, you know, what are the surrounding things around that? Um, I don't know, but you know, it seems like you could, and that kind of goes back to, you know, that seed has all that genetic information. Right. Um, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, so that you can pull whatever you want out of it in enough time and enough effort. Yes, with enough space and time, yeah. Mm -hmm. So from a single seed, from at least the gene pool that we're working with, and even outside that gene pool, from more of a, a land race perspective, I believe that from one seed, it would take two, actually, because you would need the mammalian people, but you could you could feminize the seed or whatever and get the DNA or the, you know, the information that way, but I'm under the impression that at least with the way that the gene pool is right now, that from, you know, a single pairing of two seeds that you could technically with enough space and time recreate anything that's out there. Um, sure. Sure. You yeah. should be able to. Their, yeah. And as far as the, the eth ethnical, you know, implications of that or whatnot, I, I, it, I think that depends on what you're referring to is what would be the alternative. Um, but I don't think that there's anything unethical at all about trying to recreate something that you like at all. No. And I think that it goes right back to the fact that if, if you feel like that nature, you can't regulate nature and you can't put laws on nature, then you should also be able to say that, okay, well you can't regulate someone else using nature to their advantage too. So, I mean, yeah. you know, if, if you're not going to, you're going to say nature's open to everybody and that's what you want, then then nature should be open to everybody. And then we can, you know, go about that in yeah. terms of creating I, your own stuff. I think, I think in this regard, and it's 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 not really even part of the subject, but I think that be, being a breeder who has monetized um, uh, strain names to the point, I mean, there's you know um, that the ethnic the, the ethnical aspect comes in. It don't really only comes in with intellectual property, you know, again, strain names. Um, right. And in, in, in the actual breeding world, though, in cannabis is a little bit different because it hasn't, you know, we haven't been able to legally apply these. Um, concepts, but in the actual breeding world, when you do um, refine and homogenize traits into seed form, and you can prove your work that did 
uh, homogenize those traits, you can technically own them as intellectual property. You can, you know, I, I, people own rose, you know, rose seeds. Are there rose seeds? Or I don't know. Uh, corn, you know, cucumbers. People breed those and actually own the legal intellectual property rights to those crosses. And when somebody else in the, in the agricultural world tries to take those crosses and then use them to breed their own things, there are uh, consequences that can come with that. Um, and I do believe that the same standards should be applied to cannabis. We're just, because of the prohibition, we never got to that point. So I think that it is important to recognize that there are ethics involved here, um, but they're pretty, right now, with where the market's at, they're, they're pretty easy to uh, abide to. And there's really one golden rule that kind of sets you apart from being ethical or unethical, and that comes down to using the, the names of the parents. If you exclude those, the names of the parents from the descriptions in your crosses, that's unethical. And as well, if you use those names of those parents um, to monetize your work, that's unethical as well. As long as you can stick to and abide to both of those rules, they're kind of the same rule, one's a subset of the other, then you're, you're golden. You can kind of do whatever you want. Uh, that is unless you, know, you, you are using uh, a breeder's work and you're following those two rules, and the breeder then approaches you and says, hey, I'm not comfortable with you doing that. Then you're, you're, you've, you've entered a, another realm of ethics or not. And that's between you and the breeder to work out. But um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, once you own or possess or bought or traded or whatever, acquired those seeds, even the original breeder can't, you know, you can work it out with them as to what their wishes are. But ultimately, it's up to your passion and, and, and where you want to follow it. I think... Another caveat to that would be that once you sense that your passion and your motivation for, for pursuing this thing is monetary or financially motivated, you might want to really step back and slow your roll and ask yourself if what you're doing is ethical or not. Um, right. So there's a little rant for you. No, it's I, I agree with all of it. I mean, and and I think it's true. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, I, I just don't think that that's none of that's being applied yet quite quite yet but um uh, the, the community could you know it does kind of self-regulate itself a little bit i think that you know the that a lot of the mainstream more serious beers who are willing to get on your show and, and openly you know discuss what they're doing i think a lot of them are kind of you know helping self-regulate this community in a way where we're, we're all trying to kind of stick to those um well i think that we all kind of bend them a little bit but you know, it's it's a it's a give and take. We're all kind of learning how to work together here. Well, it seems like the cream always rises to the top. So I mean, if if you're doing well and you're doing it right, it just speaks for itself. I mean, um, bullseye. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Uh, I do. <laughs> this was an interesting post that you had made. Uh, you you had, and I really just have to hit this real quick. In 1998, DJ Short selected a new blueberry father. And mother for the yeah. production of his F5 seeds. The term pre-98 is a reference to this moment in history. Now you know, people. Wow. So is this, uh, first one to start before we go into this, is this one of the questions one of your uh, followers asked? No, this is one I'm asking because <laughs> I was really interested. <laughs> I so, love this, yeah. dude. This is awesome. Sure. So what's the question? Well, the question is, is it's really more of a general question. Like, let's talk about it. Like, 
so so my understanding of pre-98 is I didn't realize what pre-98 meant. I I took it for, well, it's something that happened before 98. But it was always referred to either Bubba or Bubba Kush or something that happened that I didn't know about before 98. Even though I was alive, I guess I wasn't there very well. <laughs> so what I would say and what my perspective on the way that I would explain this is that pre-98 Bubba is an actual strain name. Yes. That's the name that was given to a strain. Now, pre-98 Blueberry is actually a reference to the work that DJ did in 1998. It's not a strain name. It's actually a reference work that dj did my impression of what happened is that people um either through dj or through the community heard people talking about this pre-98 male and the post-98 male and they were comparing the two stocks together somebody overheard this whether it was on a forum or whatnot and they decided to add that to the name of their strain then that's where pre-98 bubba came from whether or not that was a reference to dj's work or not i still believe that the term pre-98 originated with DJ and the work that he did. Sure. Well, it still could have, I mean, without knowing it, still could have been a reference to him, couldn't it have been? Like, was there That's any... my assumption is that it just, it is a reference to him. Um, I think that my assumption would be that, because you got to imagine how tied into the community DJ was at that Oh, time. yeah, it was huge. I, was, I lived it. He was the hub yeah. of where those genetics came from. So it's just, it's kind of a no-brainer that wherever whoever and i on the thread that that came up on if you followed the discussion we couldn't get a direct answer as to who the term pre-98 originated from in terms of being connected to the bubba nobody was able to give me that answer um so uh, i still am it's kind of a no-brainer to me that no obviously whoever put the pre-98 on the bubba knew about dj selecting a new male in, in 98 so they called their bubba pre-98 because it somehow had a reference to using genetics from DJ's work before 1998. Now, again, I was not able to get any type of um, validation or, or, or confirmation on this, but the conversation just kind of circled that drain, kind of like a shark circling a seal. So again, it was kind of a no brainer to me. Something that's really interested me about cannabis from the very beginning is that there's a lot of like, I don't know what the word is, legend or something behind it. There's so much that's happened that no one knows where it came from. That's prohibition. Right, right, right. Oh, I, I get that. I just mean it's just it makes it that more that much more interesting in the in the sense that you really want to dig down and try to find out really what that meant yeah, in that it. person's got brain. You know, what were like they thinking? Mystery. Yeah. And it's really so here's cool. A, here's another one that I think, you know, that kind of helps put things into perspective as to how this all kind of rolled out was that um there's Dutch Passions worked with with DJ's work. God, I don't know the year or what year they stopped working with it. But, um, so there's pre Dutch passions and there's post Dutch passions. Um, but again, that, that DJ was the hub in that scenario. Those genetics came from DJ. And in my mind, that's just kind of how I, you know, orient the gene pool. Like as far as I'm concerned, a lot of this came from DJ. And I think a lot of other people are on board with me with, with, with that, but uh, as well, a lot of other people get really flustered when they hear me say that or hear other people say that they, they don't want to admit it. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, it's true. You brought up a point that the commercial farmers prefer F1 hybrids over mm -hmm. heirlooms. I mean, that seems to be common. Uh, and you said because they're more resistant to disease and rot. That's um, one reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they, 
more have a hybrid vigor too that, that produces more fruit, which is more uh, financially feasible to the farmer. So that combined with the lack of disease and rot, just it, it ensures the, the farmer basically makes more money. Um, which again, they were talking about no brainers. Like I, I was surprised at how much pushback I got on that because I was like, how can you guys not understand this? It's so basic. It's like farmers make money from selling their shit. The better their shit is and the more that they have of it, the more money they make. Like, uh, so there are uh, specialty farmers as well. And a lot of them that do heirlooms, but if you'll notice, you go into a store and look at the price between heirlooms and hybrid tomatoes, it's, there's no comparison. So, as far as how much money that a specialty farmer can make making heirlooms compared to F1s, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer. It, it really is. Um, and I see it all the time. I mean, even myself, I purposely I purposely go into F1s for, for that reason. I and, and the term there that I think that really people need to key on in on as to why that, that farmers prefer F1s over heirlooms is hybrid vigor. Um, and, and that hybrid vigor, is, it's worth money. Oh, it's huge, it's man. Money that, yeah. There's flavor in the heirlooms. There's taste and flavor and quality in the heirlooms, but there's not enough vigor to produce as, as much quantity of those fruits. So you got to charge a lot more money for them. They're, they're worth a lot more. They taste a lot better, but they're a lot harder to sell because you can, shit, you can just get a bunch of hybrid. I hate to say this, but I don't eat tomatoes, so it's, I don't feel so bad about it. But you can just buy a shitload of uh, F1 tomatoes and add sugar and, and cayenne to them, and you're on your way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the American way, you know. It really is. And, you know, I, I get it because I've been there. Like, I, I've done it where I've actually purposely known that I'm rolling with the F1s and, you know, uh, with a goal in mind. Um, so I see that and it, it's weird. Like even on, even on a small scale level, even if, you know, F ones can be, you know, valuable. Um, yeah. When you're limited on that space. And that, that makes me think of another thing too, which is that, um, the heirlooms are, are, are just as valuable. As a matter of fact, they're more valuable, but they're apple. They're at the application is it's slimmer. It's smaller. So your heirloom is going to have your homogenized specific traits in it. And then those specific traits can be applied to breeding programs. You can't do that with an F1. Right. Um, you can, but it's going to take you a lot more work. Yes. So the, the heirlooms definitely have their value. But as far as like a commercial hobby grower who's just growing some plants in their closet, you know, for um, their medicine, well, those people are probably going to be better off for the heirloom. But they're going to have a harder time growing them and understanding them. So I might recommend, no, it's not that I might. I would recommend that you would, you'd start with an F1. Plus, they're cheaper. Uh, you know, your F4s and your F5s are going to take five and four generations, three and four years to make. And so that's going to be reflected in the price. It's going to, you're not going to want to fuck those up. Yeah. So I would start with one. And it seems like everybody kind of backbones on the F1s, right? Like, it seems like you're... You're... Well, I think that people are classifying. That's another uh, good point to bring up. I think people are classifying their crosses as F1s because their their initial cross, they classify the two parent plants as P1s. But uh, in any plant, any parent plant can be considered a P1. I would suggest that, you know, if you're going to start a breeding program like that, that you, you reserve the heirlooms and the, the plants that have the specific homogenized traits as P1s and not start off as an F1 as a P1. You follow? I absolutely do. And the thing about that is you, that's where it kind of gets thinned out. Like it, it's like, uh, yeah, 
when you talk about P1s, like that's where it starts to get really ambiguous. Like, wh what are you talking about? What do you mean? What's your, what are you talking about? Um, so P1 is, is ideally going to have the, the homogenized traits in it that you're right. looking to breed with. So those traits are going to breed true into the progeny. If those traits are not breeding true into the progeny at a rate that's like consistent, I wouldn't consider that plant a P1. I would sure. move on to the next one and see if that one's breeding on the traits that you're looking for. Um, and to, to toot my own horn here and to sell a couple of my own packs, I, I honestly believe that's one of the main things that sets me apart from a large majority of the other breeders out there is that I'm working with DJ's F4 which is uh, an heirloom plant homogenized for specific traits. Um, not only is it an heirloom plant, plant it, is, it specifically fits the definition. There's several different definitions of heirloom, and I, I want other, pe other people to know this as well. One of the definitions of an heirloom plant is one that's been kept alive for multiple generations and passed down through more than one generation. So his F4 plant and any seed that he gives to me or anybody else in the generation below him technically is can be considered as a technical heirloom plant as long as it's like above f3 or f4 sure they're they're the most heirloom offerings that i have personally seen on the most consistently you know with high quality uh, heirloom plants i've seen on the market i'm sure there's other ones out there i'm just not familiar with them and so then my trick and and, and the, the trick of other breeders is to find the right uh, uh mother plant that can go with say my f4 blueberry boy to be a pairing P1 plant. Some of them have a, a higher P1 value than others, and that reflects in, in the quality of the progeny. The ones that have the homogenized traits that I'm looking for that pass down in the pro progeny produce more consistent, high-quality progeny across the board. We, we touched on this before. Yeah. I think we're, you know, I've, I've picked up some, some lingo, and I think that the conversation developed a little bit so that we're yes. advancing a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, um, now it just went to a brain fart, but that's okay. I think I got out most of what I needed to. Well, yeah. And, and so I think also too, is that, that if you have a solid P one in terms of like, you have the blueberry say it at F four, F five, that, that next selection is going to be key. I mean, you're really going to have to do some work on that other selection. If you don't have it just sitting there at an F four, F five, right. I mean, you're going to have yeah. to, yeah. Yeah. And that's where I'm, as far as advancing my inbreeding programs where I'm stuck at, I just, I don't have the space and, and not just space, it's time. I, my stress level with, you know, looking for a place to, to live and yeah. paying taxes and shit. Like I, I need time and space to actually dig through those F2s, which is just going to be a lot of work to push it onto that F3. Well, and there's, there's always so much work. Like I'm, I don't just podcast, man. I don't just do interviews. You don't, you, there's right. so much more work that goes into that final step of actually doing the interview, you know? And there's, and right. same with you, there's a, a shit ton of work and time that goes into that one little fucking seed that you bought, you know, uh, sure. that took four days in the mail. Uh, but you know, maybe 30 years in the making, um, right. So <laughs> long winded there. So, um, what's more important to have on, on that P one spot? Is it more important to have a mother or a male? Uh, hmm. does that make sense? That's a good question. Yeah. I think that I'm not sure if you could compromise the value of one for the other. I would say that in the market right now that there's more value in the male than there is in the female, but as far as the you know passing on the traits to the, the progeny, I think both are, are pretty important. That's what I was going to say earlier, is that when one plant is more P1 than the other, or doesn't have as many P1 qualities, 
perhaps that that will be reflected in the progeny. And, and I've seen that in my own crosses as the example off of my head. I think I've used last time. I think it was the, I want to say it was the Lumpa goo compared to the farmer's fire. Mm-hmm. Like those are both really nice crosses, but there's just, there's way more consistency in the progeny of the farmer's fire than there is in the Lumpa goo. Yeah. Uh, meaning that in fewer seeds, you're going to be able to find that keeper on the, on the pack of the farmer's fire than you're going to be able to find in the Lumpa goo. And that's a, a direct correlation, in my opinion, to what P1 qualities and, you know, how, how P1, the, the mother or father plant is, P1 is, a, is the correct word, is a homogenous. Well, it, we use, yeah. Well, and honestly, I was just going to mention on that farmer's fire, you know, you gave me a pack of 10 and I found two keepers out of that, man. Nice. Yeah, two keepers. And, I, and I'm happy with that. I'm happy with running 10 seeds and finding two solid plants. I'm good with that um, nice. because the rest were nice. Don't get me wrong. You know, the rest I used for other things. Um, but the Did two you, the two were the private reserve, right? With that? Well, my personal stash, my Percy stash. Oh, gotcha. Like, yeah, like my private fire. reserve where I, that's, that's the two yeah. I kept for myself. So loosely speaking, you know, cause I just give out the other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Nice. yeah. Uh, um, so let's see. Well, uh, that was a good question. I wanted to get out there. Um, I did, let's just get this out there for a simple one. One of our, uh, really close followers that just loves the shit out of you. Um, it has a simple question here and that uh he said he his name's uh john pippen 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 john jr he's uh, uh yeah i think i i think i recognize that he, he's <laughs> he's active on both your and my profiles and um one question he had was um yeah uh, is there anything that could cause this is a simple question not simple but just a simple uh address question what could if anything what could cause most of the offspring to become male in a seed. So I, I guess, is there anything, are there things that you're doing as a grower that would cause most of the seeds to come out male? Oh, and that is a good question. I assume that has to do with the way that the chromosomes pair and the parents. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. And I know that the way you make feminized is by what, removing the, the set of the, from the male, male, chromosomes or whatever mm-hmm. so i would assume that you could do the opposite with male but i'm not sure i'm um i i what i do what i do know is that when i see all males come up that that's kind of a red flag for a potential uh, problem with hermaphrodism um and that's about as, as detailed as i could get an answer in that question because i don't really know but i do know that when you see that over and over in the line it's kind of a red flag that that for what I would assume, and again, this is an assumption that somewhere along the lines in the ancestral uh, uh, line of the, the plant, that there probably was a feminized plant in there somewhere where there was a set of chromosomes removed. Interesting. Um, okay. And that does make sense. So it was, it feminized at one point and then brought back into a. Or, or one of the grandparents or aunt or uncle or something that was used in the making of the progeny might like my cherry pie. Like I'm assuming that under the right environmental conditions, and I've never, never had this. I, I don't think I might have at the farmers, but I don't think um, that you can end up with all males. Now, another thing that I think that can make that happen. I do know that like with alligators, they can adjust the, the gender of the eggs by just uh, adjusting the temperature by it's like three degrees. I want to say it's like, like 70 or 71 
and they're all females. And then like 70 and or 73 and 74, they're all males. Um, and I have heard that you can uh, influence the, um, the gender of your seeds that way as well. So there are environmental triggers that can make that happen as well. But still, if you're, if you're, if you're working under normal environmental triggers and you end up with all males, I would be leery to the, the, chromosome stability of, of that line well and obviously that would go back to also the breeder obviously not doing any testing I, I would assume that should not happen i mean you should not have a pack of males even seven or eight of them even it, right if it's if it's something it, that's it shouldn't it shouldn't yeah. but it does i've had it happen i've had the opposite happen too which is it's just as rare so you know and the and the opposite as far as i know isn't a sign of hermaphrodism but i don't actually know but so by the luck of of the draw you you can the the one time that i ran dj's fucking happy pussy man you want to talk about heartbreak shit let me tell you the story <laughs> so we, we were ready to pull the plug on another male this has happened a couple times and we, i finally just gave up and said you know i like i i actually went back to him i said i'm just he's like well let's try these other seeds and i said no i said i i don't want to grow your seeds until i get into a better spot that i feel more comfortable in because it was just too much in a row but um happy pussy he kicked me off some of those happy pussy seeds it was like nine or 10 of them. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he even brought them to me sprouted. Shit, now I'm thinking about it. That might have been the issue. Um, and we were looking for a male specifically and the, every single one of them ended up a fucking female. Um, <laughs> and the mathematical probabilities on that are so low that it, really? it's just, it was, a, it was a kick in the nuts from the universe. Um, but <laughs> on the flip side, that is how the Breeders' Choice Mix 1 came to fruition because I had to shift gears on that breeding project and, and because I didn't end up with a male, I, I didn't want to lose the space and the resource. They said, all right, screw it. We'll do an open pollination with the F13 male that I did have. Yeah. Um, so it, it, although it's, it's rare and you know, I would be leery to, to how it works out. It's not, the, the proof is always in the pudding. Really. You're going to see if, if you're having a problem with hermaphrodism and in, in the testing, the project, there's kind of no way around that. Um, so all, if you, you might end up with all males or all females and it might be a potential red flag, but you're really still not going to know until you test out those progeny. Right. And well, for beginner growers though, I mean, I would, okay. It, one thing I got to say right here, and I, I we're going to say it over and over and over again, is that it all goes back. I mean, ultimately you're only going to be a good a grower as your genetics. I mean, you can be a master grower or whatever, but you're only as good as the genetics you have. And so it's going to be important as a, as a new grower to have good genetics, but at the same time, there's probably going to be potential environmental factors if you're not on your game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. It's, it's farming. You know, I, I don't, I definitely don't want to set anybody up for, for no, failure in that regard. But coming from, like, I still have crop failures regularly <laughs> so, sure sure it, well and that's that's a good question it's like is there is there enough knowledge yet to be able to tell if a certain cross could have problems like i often wonder if maybe even the dirty places like the what's the the uh, galaxy what's the one um phylos, phylos if they have enough dirty <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know people say it is i i haven't gotten that deep into the the drama um, but I wonder if even they have enough knowledge to know that certain traits or certain genetics would not mix with other genetics because of things. I don't know. Um, but it seems like you can make a cross and it could come out great and you can make a cross and all of a sudden you just got a bunch of herms and it's like, wh what the hell would that, why would those two genetics together or like, 
Is it a disease inside the plant that, you know, like I know some people can't get with other people and have babies because they make genetic defects, you know? Yeah. I'm, so. I'm not sure. I, I haven't actually noticed that um, where, where the combination of two plants kicks in this hermaphrodite gene that's just, it's, it's unbearable. Um, I'm sure that there, there must be combinations out there, but I, I'm still under the impression that the, the main reason that that happened um, is, is, is not the main reason, but a large part of the reason that happens is it's environmental. Um, it, it, this plant isn't meant to be inside. And this is actually a decent little piece of advice I'd like to toss out there that anybody who's growing in a, under a wattage above 600, you're at risk for hermaphrodism. It's just part of, of the plant. And I, I'm not sure if there's really a way to avoid that. Do you think um, it's the intensity so again, or the heat or, I mean. I think it's the stress levels of plant. I think the, the plant is, you know, we're not sure if it's um, monaceous or dionysiaceous or whatever. So um, I think it's just the nature of the plant and the stress levels of the plant. I think that the plant is under a certain level of stress that's not normal and under that stress, uh, it, you know, it just wants to, it wants to reproduce. The whole goal of the plant is to make seeds. It's not to make resin. It's not to make trichomes. It's not to make terpenes. It's not to make flowers. The purpose of the plant from beginning to end is to make seeds. And if you remove, or if you try and remove that part of the purpose from the plant, it's going to do whatever it can. And so I think that going up above 600 watts, there's another thing that usually happens above 600 watts. The plant feeds a lot heavier. It wants a lot more nutrients and it grows a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, those combined stressors just give the plant the opportunities it needs to push out whatever hormones it needs to, to push out the male pollen sacs and reproduce. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that it's a, a bad sign of the plant. I think that uh, more often than not, it's, it's, it's a bad sign of bad gardening practice than it is of genetics. I was just going to go ahead. <laughs> I, I do think that there are certain combinations out there that can increase those odds, but uh, I, I think those combinations are fewer and far between than, than people are afraid of. Yeah, I think it's maybe, you know, us pollen chuckers are kind of <laughs> screwing up the scene. <laughs> I, I think that the, the, the reason people get concerned about it, I think is in large part might be a partly a subconscious thing where we know that we're pushing the plants. We know that we're stressing them and we don't really know how to acknowledge and admit that. And so it's just, it's easier to, to be scared of like, is this plant going to hermaphrodize or not? Instead of actually looking at the ingredients on your bottle of nutrients and deciding if that's an appropriate and healthy thing to bring into your environment. Yeah. And well, and like you just pointed out, it's, it's like that, it's like we're at, for lack of better words here, we're edging the plant. Like we're getting it right to the brink of just needing that pollen so bad yeah. that yeah, it's, it's just everything else. It's needs, just you know? driving it full force to just do what it's supposed to do. Right. Cause mm -hmm. it's begging and it could be a male or female. The male's just like, I just got to get this shit out. And the females, yeah, like, I just got to get this that, pollen, you know? So that makes me think of the clownfish, which I'm, I'm assuming, assuming you're familiar with and probably yeah. some of your listeners are familiar with as well, which can, depending on envi environmental factors and what the environment dictates, which again is comes down to a matter of stress. If the environment is stressing the animal enough to go this way, it will turn into a male. If mm -hmm. the environment is stressing the fish enough to go that way, it will turn into a female. 
kind of all depends on what the environment dictates and the uh, potential of the fish, which is the same thing with the plant. So my theory would be that it's, it's not a combination of two, two particular plants. What's happened is that we've removed the male contribution to this gene pool for too many years in a row. And that's left the, you know, the plant susceptible to just, it's just what they're going to do. They're going to make pollen. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. And that's, that's kind of how it's been described to me over the years. And it kind of just seems like that's how it's going to be. It's like, you know, it's mother nature, man. They're trying to do that. Like you said, they're trying to make the next generation period. It's a good thing in the, you know, in the long run. I always confused about people who are complaining about their, not confused. I mean, I get it. You don't want to smoke seeds. I guess for (laughs) me, the confusing part is like when, when they, when they can't sell their crop, I'm like, but look, put those seeds in a Ziploc bag in your refrigerator. And in 10 years, they're going to be worth five times the amount that your pound would have ever been worth. So if it's money you're worried about, it's just a good thing. Like it's It's an trying to fucking help you. Yeah. It's just, you got to think long term. I know you're going to have to dig through those plants to make sure that, you know, that you work out whatever, <laughs> but well, still you've got seeds, you got seed stock. And it's know, like, of- yeah. And it's like this, it's a seed bank in it, in and of itself. It, and, and literally if you take cannabis in and of itself, it can replace a lot of seeds. It's food, it's fuel, it's, it's, it's fiber. Um, yeah. So if, if you want to even get it down to right to where you're uh, a prepper say, uh, cannabis seeds, hemp seeds have got to be part of your bank, man. I mean, yeah, I've got them. I've got know? them in my prep bag, actually. I've got yeah. them in there. I mean, what? Back in the old bag. Why wouldn't you? Even if you're only only going to make seeds for 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 nutrition, hemp seeds are one of the best things food, you can eat. Man. Yep. Yeah. And you so, can get a lot of seeds for one plant. So. Oh yeah. man! If yeah, if you yeah, yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> Um, so let's move on. Cause we got a lot of questions, brother. People are just going crazy online here. Um, uh, let's see, let's move on. Let's do, uh, John's last question here. He just wants to, oh, actually there's two. Uh, one is, are, is DJ preserving any land race strains or old school crosses at all besides the blueberry? Yes. He has acquired some, forget the name of this connection. I think we weren't supposed to talk about it. A guy wanted to remain secret anyways, but he has, acquired in the last five years a large array of uh, different land race strains from, from a lot of different places. Uh, and he's got those sitting in the, in the reserve, just kind of sitting there. And then he also has his, some of his original P1s left. So he has seeds from his, his purple tie and his, you know, his, uh, his chocolate tie. And so he has those preserved. Okay, good. Well, so, so there's some, there's some uh, preservation going on still in terms of other things. We don't have to be specific, but. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. And then last time we talked, we talked about William's Wonder. Do you remember that? Um, I don't remember specifically what we talked about. But. We, we had talked about releasing the William's Wonder, or you, sorry, we, <laughs> that you were talking about releasing some form or version or a William's Wonder in the last episode. Do you remember that? Um, I don't, but I think what you're referring to is the Tropical Afghan. Ah, that's what it was. Yes, I think so. And, and that's been released already. And I've gotten a couple of reports back of, of people liking that one. So, yeah, that um, did have very Williams Wonder-esque and, and Blue Magoo-esque uh, aromas to it and smells to it. also looked very Kush and Williams Wonder-y. Uh, it, was, it, was, it earthy? was it earthy on the flavors? Or? Mm, I, I wouldn't say earthy as much as I would say floral sulfur. 
Okay. Uh, so like a, like that, like the edge of a volcano. Nice. Uh, with some, with some, you know, weird fruity, cushy Kool-Aid. It's not the heavy Kool-Aid, but there's definitely some kind of a tropical berry in there with the sulfur uh, floral. So we're talking like maybe Hawaii shit or what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why I gave the name Tropical Bath Damn. That's cool. Up. I just give a, sh- a shout out to somebody else who I had noticed. I'm sure there's other people I'd, I hadn't noticed that was working with the Williams Wonder. And I'm seeing a lot of people getting really positive feedback on their stuff was uh, Professor P, which I think is also Dynasty Genetics. I'm not sure. They were working with the Williams Wonder as well and, and producing some serious heat. Okay. Okay. Now, so do you offhand know where Williams Wonder might be available if people want to check that out? Uh, um, you got a few banks? I, I don't but i from from my perspective where i know of and i don't <laughs> i don't last time one of the last time i asked this person i said look this is the last time i'm gonna ask you and then i came back to him like nine months later and i said i fucking lied i'm asking you again so i'm gonna call <laughs> this person out and i'm gonna say if you're if you're looking for that that that, that plug-in for the williams wonder hit up honey chiba okay where that guy there he doesn't he doesn't i don't see him releasing seeds much anymore he's been doing some other work, but that's where I got my Sacagawea seeds from, and that's my Williams Wonder contribution. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Hey guys, it sounds good, man. I, you know, I'm an OG, old school OG fan, so you know, I like the OG crosses. I, I don't have any problems with them. I do. I don't like it when it. I don't know if it's an indoor thing or what, but some some of the OGs get too metallic for me, like they're using mm. salts or something. But yeah. Uh. So and then. Uh, Let's see here. This is a actually a really good one. Uh, what does it take? This is from They Call Me the Wizard. Now, he's one of our patrons, so he's a really close fan of ours. He supports the show uh, monetarily. So shout out to you, brother. Thanks for uh, chiming in. Um, but he asks a couple questions. What does it take for you to abandon a breeding project? Um, or have you? Uh, uh, no, yeah, yeah. I was just, I'm sorry. I was looking up uh, They Call Me the Wizard. I don't know why I'm not following this person. I'll give him a follow right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what does it take for me to abandon a breeding project? So uh, the results, if I don't like the results in the progeny, uh, and realistically, just to make it as simple as possible, so <clears throat> I've noticed that the plant will either lean towards hemp or it will lean towards that indoor drug cultivar that we're, that we're looking for. If it leans enough towards the side of that indoor drug cultivar where it's producing the resin and the high amounts of terps, as well as it doesn't have hermaphrodism, I'll pass it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm confident enough in the, in the parent plants that I use to, to believe that those traits are going to pass on into the next generations. Um, so I have, uh, I have scrapped projects before for hermaphrodism. And I've also scrapped several projects for uh, low resin content and low terpene production as well. I think that's what, yeah, so effect would be another one if you're if you're not confident in the quality of your parents. I think that's what I was referring to in the the quality. I'm confident in the quality of the parents to understand that the effect is going to be it's going to be good for most people across the board. Sure, sure. And I, I would probably just point out maybe this is reaching, but I would point out that you know a lot of times people know second gen and DJ and JD for terps, right? Terpenes. And so that's probably, so, yeah. yeah, so that I would assume that that's another big, you know, uh, thing for. Yeah. So that's another thing that, like I was saying, if it's leaning more towards the side of hemp, it will have fewer terpenes and the, sure. those terpenes will be, they'll be, it's, it's hay comes across as more of a greenish, uh, grass type of smell. And once it starts leaning over on that, I'm like, I don't want that. I don't want my <laughs> name on that one. But yeah. realistically, 
but it, you know, again, I a lot of the, the mothers I use are they're clone only, so they've already been selected. Um, but so realistically, I've only scrapped. I want to say twenty at most twenty percent of the things I've I've tested out to be like less than six for around five things. I think I've tested and been like, oh shit, this is garbage. Well, and I bet that is a factor in terms of, you know, your actual, uh, when it comes down to your efficiency as a, as a breeder, like you want to be able to keep that number low so that you're producing, right? Like you don't want to sure. run into a bunch of projects. You just have to toss. It sucks. <laughs> it sucks, but it happens, you know, there's these, there's that, that sweating period. It's in between like four to seven weeks where they're developing, they're putting on and you just don't know. And you're like, Oh, come on, baby, come to me, come on. And then it's like around the seventh, eight week when it hits and you just get, you're like, okay. Whew, have you ever had, I'll be able to have you ever had something that you look at and you go, okay, look, this is like this plant right here that we got is the average of the bunch. And I know I'm going to pull something out much better. So I'm going to keep it. Can you look at a plant and say, look, I know that this has more potential or do you just look at the, the thing you think is the best and then just go from there? I think I usually look for the ones that, that are the best. Um, I, I, I have, I have actually done that with limited stock. So for some of DJ stuff, I think I've done that before. Gone the extra right. mile and kind of stuck with it. Yeah. Where I might've actually, yeah, no, I, I know I have, where I've actually kept multiple copies and, and, and tried multiple different routes. That's a good, might be a good example where I, I might not have necessarily wanted to try this mother, but I'm like, you know, I don't want to throw it away either. So let's try this one in, in, in combination with this other one and test the progeny of both of them. Okay. Let's get, let's get, uh, let's get dirty. Now they call me. The wizard says, uh, most disappointing cross you've had. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. We're getting brutal. He, he wants to no, win. He wants to win. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking of that too, because we were talking about the coal rate. So, Surprisingly enough, um, I got a sour diesel plant. I don't even, did I wear these seeds? I, I don't think it was a seed. I think it was a mother. I got a sour diesel plant from somebody I was super excited about, and I was shocked at the progeny. The mother was okay. I wasn't expecting what I got out of the progeny, and I was just I was shocked and dumbfounded and heartbroken that the progeny was hemp, and it as well put out a bunch of, of – I mean, it was a pretty hermaphroditic. Um, yeah. I ended and- up scrapping. I think that one at like six weeks in or something. What do you think the THC was? About 13? <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe lower than that. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't smoke it, man. I, like I said, I was testing out the progeny. I got to like five or six weeks and I was like, oh, fuck you. Get the fuck out of my room. I don't, I don't even want to smoke you. Evicted. Evicted. And I have a sour diesel plant of all things, too. Well, to be honest, I out of all the plants I've ever tried, sour D has been the, le- the, the worst failure of my, my time, too. I, I failed hard on sour D and I don't know if I just got the wrong cut, talked to the wrong people, grew it the wrong way. I don't know, but damn. Um, okay. So moving on, uh, again, Mr. Call me the wizard, uh, most surprising result of a cross. Um, most surprising that the, the Oregon cutthroat stands out for sure. Um, I think it was frosty, man. It was frosty. I think that was the, the, the straw on the camel's back for me that was just like, holy shit. I was ex- I, and I was expecting the red. I think what was surprising of that was I wasn't expecting it, you know, the reaction that I had to watching that develop, how much fun that plant was to grow. It's gorgeous, man. It's fucking gorgeous. And then, 
and then at the finish with all those the resins and some of the chirpings too are just off the chart. So mm-hmm. I think I would I'd pick the Oregon Cutthroat. And you had mentioned to me, you're like, you know, I expected people to use that as a as a breeding stock. I think you'd said that. And um, yeah, they have they have been. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, dude. I you know I used it along with the plum. That's the two I selected was the Plumberry Kush, and then which I did most everything with, and then I did a few selections with the Oregon Cutthroat. And let me tell you, man, every every cross I did, which was like three or four crosses of that Oregon Cutthroat. Then the next generation just came out frosty, right. man, frosty. And so now it's just like I got to just pick out the other traits I want. But that that OCT really brought the the snow, man. Nice. Yeah. yeah, there's well, some. I want to say I don't want to say the wrong person, but I won't say who I thought it was. But there was somebody online who found one of those resinous males from that stock. It was like the male, the F13 male that I found, but it was an Oregon cutthroat one. And the thing was fucking red. This person started a seed company with it, you know, and they're selling seeds and shit. So shit. I'm stoked on that. Yeah, that's so cool. So I know that there's there's absolute fire in that that progeny to be worked with. As I put a disclaimer in those packs too for anybody who's interested. It's a big part of the reason why I charge a little bit more for those. Um, I have a disclaimer in those packs that uh, allows people to use it for whatever they want. So I, if you're if you're looking for yeah. red weed that covered in resin and terpenes, grab a pack out of Oregon Cutthroat. You're free to use them for whatever you want. And see, that's the thing that happened with me with the Oregon Cutthroat. I have this big problem where I enjoy, I really enjoy the beauty of cannabis. And so when I grew that Oregon Cutthroat, like it was like my prize rose in the garden. You know what I mean? Like it was that one rose that just was just perfect. It was just fucking red and beautiful and different and frosty and just... It smelled good and it grew healthy and it was just, it was amazing. And it's just like, I didn't want to kill it. I didn't want to take it down. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, it was, it was horrible, you know, but I did. And, and even then here's just so, just so everybody knows with that organ cutthroat as is, as itself, the bag appeal, even outdoor grown, the bag appeal is amazing. Just, yeah. yeah that's one thing about that organ cutthroat is you can grow it outdoors you know, throw it in the hundred degree sun in Southern Oregon. And at the end of the year, you're still going to have some amazing bag appeal. So yeah, I see a lot of those purples out there, but they're just lacking that resin. It is. Uh, the Oregon cutthroat for that. No. And, and the Oregon cutthroat looks like those really light green ones. Sometimes it just looked like they'd been coated in like uh, some sugar, some, some, some powdered sugar. You know, you're like, how can that not be strong? I don't know. Anyway. Um, and then, uh, can you shout out three different nutrient companies that you could support that people could check into? We do have a lot of people that like to use newts, man. What do you prefer? Do you, are you top dress organics well, or are you liquids or what do you do? Sure. Oh, I too come to mind. I'm leery on this subject because I know, uh, I know endorsements, but, um, so yeah. I, I do use the nectar for the gods, and that that product for me is super convenient. Um, and I also I, I feel like it's a, of a, a quality that you know it, it matches what I'm looking for. I also feel like I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel like the company is is, is semi sustainable in in the sense that they're not you know doing horrible things to the environment. Um, another product uh, brand that I really enjoy using is down to earth um i use their pro organic mix mm-hmm. um great and company. then you 
and then of course you know I'm I'm still using SLF. I still use the SLF. Yeah. There's, there's three right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm good with that, man. Uh, and he just said if possible anyway, but yeah, nectar is really good. It, it's, uh, it's easy. And, um, the SLF is, that's a given, you know, how many times that thing has saved me SLF. Uh -huh. I, 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 I have a tendency to get things a little hot and, um, SLF has saved me a few times, but nice. Um, uh, and then down to earth, dude, that's a given. That's, that's my amendments. Yeah. Yeah. So I think and most people would probably agree with all that. Um, and then the last one here is, uh, here's a good one. What strain of all the strains you, you work with, what strain do you consume or would you consume the most? Yeah, I get asked this question a lot. It's super interesting. Um, I, I guess it's, it's helping me realize that people you know, obviously respect my opinion. To some People degree. care, man. I told you this. <laughs> so I really like the velvet ropes. Um, and the velvet ropes had the two sibling crosses too, which were Motown lockdown and strawberry recess. Um, both of those were similar. The Motown lockdown was definitely more fuel and gas. The strawberry recess was, uh, more, uh, berry, but the, the velvet ropes, I really liked. Um, it just had this all around consistently rounded effect to it. And they've been terps on it are just second to none. It's as far as I'm concerned, there's your pre 98 right there. And I'm, I'm not familiar with the bubble as, as some people are, but I mean, as far as I don't need to go back any further than the velvet ropes. Let me say it that way. And what, and can you remind us what the cross is of the velvet? You said velvet ropes was Sacagawea number six. And the F4 Blueberry Boy. Okay. Okay. And so the Sacagawea, the Sacagawea, I mean, that was, you did a lot with that, didn't you? I did, yes. I used the male from that and several different females. I really like that line. Again, that came from Sunny Chiba, and that's the Williams Wonder, Blue Magoo. Um, I, I, I classify it more as the um, Exodus cheese. I think it's the closest that I've come to the cheese and seed form. And, you know, you saying that, that's, those are like the Blue Magoo. If that's legit, that's one of my favorites. And then um, you said the yeah, Williams Wonder. Who, oh, I wow. forget who Sun was working with, but it was one of those main, you know, it was one of the main, Euro, I think it was European firms that through like the, the early, late 90s, early 2000s, they pumped out all the heat. Uh, who else was with them? It was, uh, I forget his name, but Jinx Proof was with them. I think Subcool was with them. I don't remember the name of the company. I am out of that loop. It was a DNA or something. I don't know. But so, yeah, they had the, and from California too. I mean, so they had the plug on a lot of those really killer cuts, Williams Wonder and shit. Um, you have to pardon me too. I'm getting a little sniffly because I have had this cold for a week, man. It, it's ridiculous. Oh um, man. Yeah. It's, I don't I hope it's not COVID. I really do. I have not been out. <laughs> That's been my thing. I, the congestion. Well, yeah, I just, I've always had allergies, but I don't know what was going on with my fucking congestion. I gave up and quit everything. Yeah, it's me too. I, I <laughs> and I'm an old dude, right? I just turned 46 about, I don't know, four or five days ago. Oh, happy birthday. You're not that old. You're the same age, man. Oh, yeah. Well, you've done a lot more than me. I've only smoked all the weed. You've made all the weed. <laughs> all right. Um, 
So now I know this, I know this answer, I think, but you know, one of the questions uh, here was, uh, do you smoke more flour or concentrate? I'm going to probably sh say flour for you. You don't really smoke any. I don't smoke concentrates because <clears throat> the concentrates that I like are really hard to produce and they cost a, a decent chunk of money. So I, I won't smoke um, chemical concentrates. I, I just, it's never tickled my fancy. It did for a brief period of time when I was, you know, into consuming large amounts and I, I didn't have to pay for it, but that didn't last very long. And the, the reason it didn't last very long for me is it's fucking shit's too harsh, man. I don't like coughing like that. So it was within a couple of months of experimenting with the concentrates where I said, this product isn't for me, but I, I've never lost the taste for the, the fresh frozen bubble hash or the ice wax. I mean, that shit's right up my alley. It's just, it's expensive and it's hard to make. Do you ever have anybody, uh, you know, make yourself like, personally you know if yeah. you, you got a personal you know connect yeah, so or something that you can yeah. so that's dragon so, lab mm -hmm. um, i think it's dragon lab is all he goes by on instagram i'm really thinking that there was another part to that let me double check i'm slip on instagram here um give a shout out to um yeah it's just dragon lab it's underscore dragon lab underscore he's what i i consider my hash guru he he makes fresh frozen and he processes it himself and then he squeezes it into rosin and everything. I'll make all the other concentrates, but I just ask him to just stop right there at the bubble and give me that. And we did a deal last year where I, I kicked him up some plants for me to work with. And then he kicked me back the hash. That was, a, that works out great. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's amazing because when you can get, you know, cooperation like that, cause it's a lot of work, man. It's a lot of yeah. work. Yeah. I, you know, again, and a shout out to him for putting in the, you know, the elbow grease, I like to say, and I love to say this right now, is that uh, the secret to making good hash is elbow grease. And it's the reason that most people can't figure it out. Everybody wants to think that there's a secret in ingredient or people are doing the secret process. It's fucking elbow grease. You break your back making this shit, but you can tell in the, in the, in the finished product. And that's this, this Dragon Lab fella. He, he's, he's got his passion worked out there. It's so true, man. Like, it's just you can't cut corners. You just can't, you can't cut, cut corners. It's like making a good, it's it, good or bad. It's like making a good wine or a good liqueur or a good, you know, a good cure on a cannabis. You, you got to do it right. And you, it takes time and effort, <laughs> which, oh, let me ask you this. What strain do you prefer in concentrate form that you grow? That's another good question. <clears throat> um, I haven't had a chance to concentrate this strain yet, but I know that this is the one that I want. I tried to get the Dragon Lab to work with this one last year. And he said, oh, you know, maybe next year. He, said, I, I, he wanted to do the F4 Blueberry this year. But so it's the Sack of, sack of Candy. Uh, and that's the Candyland cross with Sack of Jawea. That is, will make some concentrates. That plan hasn't been released yet. Um, it's one or two people got it and they didn't run with it. I don't know what happened. But so nobody's really had a chance to try this yet. But I already know that the concentrates that come off of that plant will win cups across the country across the fucking globe <laughs> yes yes is it gonna happen um i'm not sure I, I i don't know i i have seed stock of it um i had somebody approach me recently uh, asking for something along those lines and i, I got you know it's not sick but i just we had a thing lined up to meet up and it just didn't work out um i i'm I'm leery to, to let that plant go without 
the confidence of knowing that I'm going to at least get back and return what I want for it, which at a, at a bare minimum <laughs> is, is 20 grams of concentrate a year for the next five years. <laughs> I, just, yeah. I, haven't really, I just haven't really met that person yet where I'm like, look, I know this is a special plant. And so I'm, you know, I've, I've put some work into not only making it, but keeping the mother alive. And so in, in order to pass it off to you, I, I need something in return. And we always get to that point and then I, I tell them what I want to want return and it just kind of it falls apart from there. So it's like, okay, well, I'll keep it myself, I guess. I got yeah. I guess I just got to do it myself. Maybe, maybe, but you know, it's one of those things that there's so many things that's that I've seen over time that, you know, no one believed in it. And then the person that did just, you know, went crazy with it. So true. Yeah. You, know, part, yeah. you just gotta find the right person with the right faith. Uh, yeah. but it's worth it. I would not ever settle for less. That's for sure. Do you know a love light air water rocks? No, not off the top of my head. Someone who follows you love light air water rocks. What is the difference or is there any difference in D day shorts, blueberry and Dutch passions, blueberry. All right. So I, I got a little bit, it was a mouthful there. So you asked if I know a person named Love yes. Light, yes. and then the, and then that person asked the question: Is what's the difference between Dutch Passion and DJ's Blueberry? Yes, sir. Okay, so the difference between Dutch Passion's Blueberry and DJ's Blueberry is just the selected mothers. Um, they the both of the mothers came from the exact same branch of DJ's backstock. Um, I don't know the reference, but in 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 our work, in my work, in my closet, it's just referred to as the F4 Blueberry Boy and F4 Blueberry Mother. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Dutch Passions blueberry uh, mothers came from the exact same seeds that, that the plants that I have come from. They were just, uh, they had different characteristic traits. Um, and the different characteristic traits, my impression is that the uh, Dutch Passion, I, I'm not sure, I, I think Dutch Passions might have used more than one male. Um, I'm not certain. Um, but my in, in understanding is that the Dutch passion selections leaned more towards the sulfury Kush, Williams Wonder pre-98 terpenes. Uh, DJ selections leaned more towards this blueberry, sweet, tart, candy, floral selection. Okay. Okay. And that is two different highways. Yeah. Yeah. You know, selecting from two different moms. Yeah. You're going to get two different routes. Is yeah. that, a, is that a collaboration that happened back in the day or what, what came of that? What, I don't even know the story behind that. I'm not sure how I would classify that or if I'm in a position to, to okay. classify how that relationship actually worked out. Um, uh, you know, it was copacetic. Um, I don't know the level of partnership that was developed there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, just so we're clear, thank you for the question. That's love, light, air, water, rocks. They are cool. definitely organic. <laughs> um, okay. So that's all the questions that I can find. I really appreciate that. Um, I, I hope I didn't bombard you. Did that work? Oh, out? yeah, but I, you did. But, you know, I think I needed it. You know, oh, I am following this person. So I guess, yes, I do know who love uh, light. Uh, I, I do know that. Okay, perfect. Awesome. Glad yeah, you I, I appreciate uh, asking the questions. And, and, you know, I think that this is, I just want to remind people and, you know, give them a, you know, I'm fucking sober. I'm more sober than I've been in 26 years. So I think I kind of need this practice at kind of getting back on the thinking. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and you know, you had mentioned that, and we've talked about this before, but you know, we've had our uh, experiences with LSD and the last one wasn't so great for you. I know. Um, I know for me, my, actually my last one wasn't so great either. I don't know. Did we have, I don't know if I to- told you my last one. Uh, well, I think, uh, you I think go? we talked my, the one last time that we had, we had a discussion that was a different time. And then I, that's kind of what snowballed this whole health kick for me actually was my last uh, experience with acid, which was, I want to say now it was like, I don't know, 40 days ago or something, 30 days ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a fucking horrible time. <laughs> horrible. Well, so, so let's, let's, let's analyze this because think about this. It could have been a horrible time, but was it actually a positive thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So, you know, the, the experience itself was not in totality wasn't horrible. It was the 18 hours of the, the drug coursing through my body and, <laughs> you know, the thoughts that went through my head that was <laughs> fucking brutal, <laughs> brutal. Um, but I, it, you know, and I've always said this too. I've had, I've had enough of these trips in my life. This one was probably the most intense that I had. I would, I don't regret it. And I, you know, I wouldn't take it back. Well, how, I, uh, how deep so, were you first? First of all, how deep oh, did you get? Man. I mean, I, I went, you know, I think what happened was the, the bottle of acid that I had was old. Um, and it had been sitting in my fridge for, I don't know how long. Um, and I didn't shake it up. You follow where I'm going with this before I took the drop. That's yeah. the thing. There's no and homogenizing I, going on here. I'm pretty sure that I got a fucking <laughs> elephant in there that it was, I was higher than I had been in probably ever on LSD for longer too. It lasted about 18 to 20 hours. Oh fuck dude. That's yeah. <laughs> that was the, the hard part was that like, you know, I was still able to put a timer on the clock. I, I didn't lose cause I've lost that function before too, where I'm like, I can't even look at a clock, but I was still able to put a timer on the clock. Wow. Count down and be like, okay, you know, four hours top through, we're going to get through this. Mm-hmm. And that timer goes off and I'm like, son of a bitch. Okay. Two more hours. It couldn't be, you know, just, that just kept going for until like it was like, the next morning and the sun's coming up. And I'm like, I haven't slept 24 hours. Like I'm still fucking. Oh no. Do you have any, like you peaked obviously and then started coming down. That was another weird part of it, man. Like I, I don't remember peaking. I just remember being high until I wasn't anymore. And I was able to, you know, my eyes finally started drifting off and closing. And I, I had that thing where I was like, Oh God, you know, you kind of snap you're like, okay, I'm falling asleep. Son of a bitch. It's coming to an end. Like, yeah. And then, you know, uh, even if it's just for 40 minutes, I'm going to, you know, you wake up and you're kind of sober. It's just kind of how sleep is. Oh, it sucks trying to get to sleep after that. Now, like, I mean, were you to the depth of like total visions or were you lethargic? Were you moving around? I mean, how deep did you get? Yeah, I had the visions. I I had, you know, the the foresight to be able to turn off all the lights so it was dark. So, you know, the flashes of color and stuff one of the things that definitely another thing that stood out was a couple of times losing orientation of up and down of gravity you know and and just kind of rolling over in the bed you know or, or whatever i think there was a couple of times i was on the floor too where i rolled over and in that motion of rolling over you almost get like a this type of vertigo or almost like seasickness and before you resettle on the other side you just kind of like oh shit i'm falling and then you're like no no no, you're not falling like, wow so I, I i had that um uh I didn't have any lethargy. Another thing that I didn't have that I normally would have had under those conditions was a, a detachment from 
the anxiety that was happening or whatever, I was able to somehow hang on. You know, I just keep telling myself, you can get through this. Like, you know, it was just this really long therapeutic meditation where I just had to, you know, orient the thoughts in my head and be like, okay, well, what do you think? What's on your mind? Yeah. What are you feeling? Now, and and the, uh, a lot of the, the fast that I'm on now kind of stemmed from those, those thoughts. So Yeah. Well, a lot of self-reflection going on? Yeah. Or just straight up just anxiety? Well, <laughs> it wasn't as much uh, self-reflection as, yeah, I guess it was self-reflection, but it was more oriented towards like, usually when I'm, I'm used to that feeling and that, that trip, it's more of this emotional or mental self-reflection. This one was actually just like specifically like all of the actions that I've made in my life, just coming to this point and accumulating and being like, okay, well you did this and this is why you're feeling this way. And you did that and blah, blah, blah. You've been yep. eating fucking, you know, you eat that yep. all year. <laughs> so oh. the actual trip led to the changes you're in now. Yeah, they, they started the process. I, you know, I, I came back around and I reoriented, reoriented myself a little bit. I think I took a small hiatus from smoking at that point. Too. I want to say it was like maybe 24 hours or 48. Yeah, yeah. That's when I started slowing down on the smoking cannabis. I came back from that and it was just like I had this different outlook on smoking. But then, you know, things went back to normal about a week later. Um, and then I just kind of slipped back into this routine. But then I had this uh, similar you know, reflective process that came you know, a couple of days after that, which was again foreign to me. I, I think it's having fever and being inside for so long, just having so much time to sit around and think. But in that, this, the second bout of this reflection process is when I realized I was like, no, like you're still, I've still, I didn't process through everything that the LSD wanted me to process through. And it was in that, 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 you know, rebound process where I decided I was like, okay, so I'm not going to fuck around this time. I'm serious. I, and that's when the gluten light bulb just went off. And I was like, I was like, why am I feeling like shit? You know, why is my stomach hurting? Why am you know, I was like, okay, well, it's, it's got to be gluten. I don't know what else to think. And I, that's when I cut out the gluten. And then from there, it's just been, that was like, I don't know, 15, 20 days ago now. It's just been every day. It's a new practice, you know, to, to be healthier, to be better. Yeah. Be better. <laughs> I often... I often wonder, like macro dosing tends to really, it's like a roller coaster into that. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to macro dose, even if it's by accident, you're going to have to be ready for that. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, and I've been there recently. I did the same thing. And it what was really weird is we had... We, uh, we, we keep upping our dose, like as we're experimenting in the future, we, we keep upping our dose by at least either a half, half a tab or a full tab. And, you know, this last time we got up to like two and a half tabs and it became pretty much a macro dose. Like it was, it's just, mm -hmm. there's, there's a difference between one hit and two and a half hits. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the problem was, is we went to a hotel. We thought we we're just setting up the setting really good. We went to a hotel, Callahan's, which is up on the Siskiyou's between the California and Oregon border. Really beautiful place, real snowy, quiet. And we rented a room, big, large room with a, a jacuzzi and all this and spent extra money and did everything right. Very safe, very calm. We take our tabs and the first thing we do is we're going to jump in the jacuzzi and <laughs> 
Yeah. We get in the jacuzzi to to ease into the transition and we realize that there's the hot water only gets to lukewarm. Oh. <laughs> and here's the here's the start. Here's the here's the start of the bad trip. <laughs> So it's like, oh shit. So the water was barely warm enough to allow us to even be in there. Like it was just barely warm enough to allow you to feel like you could be in the water in the jacuzzi, but we forced it. We went in there and did it. And I got out and I started tripping And about four hours in the trip when I'm completely high off my ass, I decided I want to take a shower. (laughs) There's no hot water, man. So like this is where it starts to spiral and it's That's really a, weird. A bad trip. It's a bad trip without uh, acid. Like, cause I, I use hot water myself as, as a therapy and yeah, yeah I, I would be freaking out at that point. See, here's okay. So do you understand, man? Here's the deal. I, I use hot water. I use showers, baths, jacuzzi. Those are, that's kind of a therapy for me and it's a calming place. And if I, if I have problems, that's a good place for me to go. And yes, and then you add on the fact that we paid $250 for the room. We're out in the <laughs> middle of nowhere. There's snow. We can't go nowhere. We got a, actually had a flat tire at the time. Like there's just all this stuff going on. And then I can't get in the shower. There's no hot water. I just went south. <laughs> yeah. I was frustrated. Yeah. I'm out in the lobby, you know, trying to cause ruckus. It's two o'clock in the morning. There's, <laughs> there's like no one there, you know? So, uh, yeah. And what was really weird is it was such a strong high, like you were saying, that when I was coming down, it was almost like, it was really weird. It was almost like, uh, like, uh, like it was trying to share something with me. Like not everything has to be perfect. Cause as I was coming down, I was walking down these flights of like golden stairs and in these colorful visions there was like these little pods out in space and these little pods would pop up these little things that would make a balloon and these balloons were full of all this color each balloon was a person and it was like trying to tell me that like no matter what it is what's going on like it's got its own beauty right it's really weird it was such a weird trip like it we really went south and then it came back and then man i just don't know if i'm gonna go back that deep again <laughs> it's that it's that letting go thing i think and that's one of the things that i think uh psychoactive hallucinogenic drugs especially but in particular lsd i think is really good at helping us learn and teaching us is that ability to let go yeah and that every situation or every circumstance really has its own beauty in the big scheme of things like you know like it's just yeah. really weird like everything you know, when you're hanging on to expectations, you, you rarely can ever see that beauty or, or that purpose. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, hey, you know, for like with me, uh, to use the same example with me, like my, my dietary habits are, are, are a crutch, you know, something I hang on to it's that comfort, you know, chocolate pizza and shit. You know, I, I was stuck on not being able to let it go and be in the moment without these types of crutches, which, you know, that's, that's taking it to the extreme and everything. And, I, and I'm, and I'm willing to admit that, but the consequences that it has on my body are, are blatantly obvious. Sure. Yeah. And then extend that to your mental capacity. Yep. Like, you know, you extend the physical into your mental and it just, it, you know, gets worse. So. Yeah. Well, cool though. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you're able to, to keep acting and I feel the same way. Like I, one of the things I said in those, in those moments on that night, I was like, okay, I'll, 
I'm never doing this again. And, <laughs> you know, of course, that, that in and of itself is this type of hanging on. Like there's, there's no never, there's no such thing. So. Right, right. And, and what's the beauty about like psychedelics is I, I don't think you go back to them because you're addicted or you go back to them because you, you, you feel like you need the relief or something. You, you actually end up kind of drifting back to him for the knowledge. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. you know, and then if it's takes another couple of years before you need that shit again, then you kind of drift off and then you kind of come back when you need it and you just pick up where you yeah. left off. <laughs> yeah. But who knows? It's all personal journey and it's all really fucking interesting because like we talked about today, I'll wrap this up this way is that all psychoactives, there's a ton of them. They're everywhere in our lives. They affect us health, wise they affect us good bad psychologically mentally physically uh and and they're just plentiful so you know being able to control them uh backing away from them taking breaks um using them to our advantage uh using them in the future you leaving them coming back all those things it's all a balance and so yeah yeah crazy stuff so what'd you think about the questions I like them. I like them a lot. They helped a lot for sure. Help keep me on, on task. Well, there's a lot of people that care about you. A lot of people that listen and a lot of people that respect your opinions. So I'm really uh -huh. glad you came on, sir. I appreciate it. Well, thanks. thanks. I'm glad to be here. You know, I'd love to all those people as well. All right, brother, I'll let you go. I've got to get back to the kids, but I appreciate you more than you ever know. And I hope that we continue this over time and, you know, revisit again. And yeah, man, sounds I just, good. I have a lot of respect for you, man. All right, man. Sounds All right. good. All right, brother. All right. Bye-bye. Right, I'm Higher Peaks, and you've just listened to The Dirt Show. If you like this episode, please like, share, comment, and go to organrooted.com where you can subscribe to us on your favorite platform like iTunes, Pandora, or Spotify. Also check us out on our YouTube for videos and IG, Facebook, and Twitter for all our updates. Thank you for listening.